Our two readings today bring forward the image of a tree or a large shrub that is tree-like. In the first reading, we heard God speaking through the prophet, through the prophet Ezekiel, that he would take the crest or the topmost part of a cedar tree. And that tender shoot, that new life, he would take and plant on top of a mountain. It's kind of an odd image, but what we need to understand a couple of things is that the prophet is speaking in symbolic imagery, in imagery that's meant to evoke, much like a parable. The shoot coming from a cedar, a cedar is a majestic tree. Solomon used cedar trees to line the, temp- the inside, the wood of the temple, before plating it with gold. The cedar was a sign of royalty amongst all the other trees. So God taking a tender shoot, planting it on top of a mountain. Well, what's a mountain in, in Hebrew imagery or in even just the Semitic amongst the Semitic peoples. It's a sign of prominence, of power, of being a display for the world. So God is speaking about taking Israel, his people, or a king, and putting it as a sign for the peoples. And then we hear this, birds of every kind shall dwell beneath it, every winged thing in the shade of its boughs not only in Jewish literature, but in other things uh, as well, the, the tree and the birds were the signs of the nations. So a bird's coming underneath the boughs of a tree would be the sign of them being gathered into a kingdom under the protection of that king or that people. Jesus takes up a similar image, but in a certain sense, more homely or more of the people. Rather than a majestic cedar, he speaks of a mustard bush or tree. Now, this isn't a scientific claim that the Lord is making, but a claim amongst the people in there in the Middle East, in the part of Israel where they were, the mustard seed was known almost proverbially as the smallest of seeds. Again, it's not a scientific claim, but take how small the mustard seed is. See how big of a bush or a tree it becomes. Thus is the kingdom of God. It begins small, almost imperceptible, but grows into something large in which the nations of the world, represented by the birds again, we see that imagery, can take refuge in its branches. Now, trees are something that we see throughout uh, the scriptures. The beginning of the scripture in Genesis, the second chapter, we see the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. There, a tree becomes the downfall of the human race by the sin of Adam and Eve seeking to get knowledge apart from God seeking to be gods themselves. At the end of Scripture, in the book of Revelation, in the 22nd chapter, we again see the importance of trees. They're the trees of life, just as we had the tree of life in the 
first book, the trees of life are on the banks of a river. And we see the life-giving waters of heaven nourishing or uh, flowing beside them. Ezekiel described, as we heard, the messianic kingdom, a future age that would come as that majestic cedar, that tree on a high mountain. And as we said, Jesus' image of the mustard seed, while being a bit more homely or more of the people, nevertheless has this reference to the church. I'd like to share with you uh, and actually an extended passage here from one of the church fathers. Now, the church fathers are those who in the early church were writing, teaching the faith, preaching the faith, expounding on it, giving catechesis in a way that uh, God's Spirit was moving them in a very special way that not just for their own period, but they were given a special uh, ability to describe the faith that is valid for us today. So this is from Peter Chrysologus, one of those church fathers. He lived uh, in the 400s, and he explains about the tree of the cross and the mustard seed. So he says, it is up to us to sow this mustard seed in our minds and let it grow within us into a great tree of understanding, reaching up to heaven and elevating all our faculties. Then it will spread out branches of knowledge and pungent savor of its fruit will make our mouths burn. Its fiery kernel will kindle a blaze within us, inflaming our hearts, and the taste of it will dispel our unenlightened repugnance. Yes, it is a true. Yes, it is true. A mustard seed is indeed an image of the kingdom of God. Christ is the kingdom of heaven. Sown like a mustard seed in the garden of the virgin's womb, he grew up into the tree of the cross, whose branches stretch across the world. Crushed in the mortar of the passion, its fruit has produced seasoning enough for the flavoring and preservation of every living creature with which it comes in contact. As long as a mustard seed remains intact, its properties lie dormant. But when it is crushed, they are exceedingly evident. So it was with Christ. He chose to have his body crushed because he would not have his power concealed. Our Lord says a similar thing when he talks about unless a grain of wheat die and be sown in the earth, it cannot bring forth fruit. Peter Chrysologus sees in the mustard seed first Christ himself, who coming down from the Father, the Heavenly Father, planting him in the most pure womb of the Virgin, then comes forth, lives his earthly life, dies, and is risen so that we might have life, that we, as his body, his spiritual body, his extension, the church, might come to to fruition. That image of Christ as the cross, with its branches spreading out to the world, is actually seen in Christian art. You can Google the image of of the life-giving cross, and maybe one of those images will come up where you see branches coming out from the cross, whether it's painted or sometimes in mosaic artwork. 
The idea is that it's Christ's cross, a moment of dying, of death, of what seems to be utter destruction. As Peter Chrysologus said, the body of, of Christ crushed is actually the planting of the seed which brings life for all of us. And so in one of these very beautiful pictures, it shows these branches curling out in an artistic way. And in those branches are the birds spoken of by Christ this, in our gospel today. A little bit more from Peter Chrysologus. Christ became all things in order to restore all of us in himself. The man Christ received the mustard seed, which represents the kingdom of God. As man he received it, though as God he had always possessed it. He sowed it in his garden, that is, in his bride, the church. So first we see Christ himself as the mustard seed being, uh, being planted, but then we see him in the role of the one going out to sow and planting the seed in his church. The church is a garden extending over the whole world, tilled by the plow of the gospel, fenced in by the stakes of doctrine and discipline, cleared of every harmful weed by the labor of the apostles, fragrant and lovely with perennial flowers, virgins' lilies and martyrs' roses, set amid the pleasant verdure of all who bear witness to Christ and the tender plants of all who have faith in him. We are the garden of God, in other words. Such then is the mustard seed, which Christ sowed in, this, in his garden. When he promised the kingdom to the patriarchs, the seed took root in them. With the prophets it sprang up. With the apostles it grew tall. In the church it became a great tree, putting forth innumerable branches laden with gifts. And now you too must take the wings of the psalmist's dove, gleaming gold in the rays of divine sunlight, and fly to rest forever among those sturdy, fruitful branches. No snares are set to trap you there. Fly off then with confidence and dwell securely in, this, in its shelter. The parables of Jesus are so rich. They don't just have one interpretation. They have a cosmic or a universal interpretation, but then they have one that is particular for us as in the life of us, as Christians, following and allowing that seed to grow in us. The seed that was planted in the prophets, the patriarchs, that came to fruition in Christ, that has blossomed in the church, we are meant to personally insert ourselves more deeply into that, to take refuge in the teaching and in the fruits, the sacraments of Christ in his church. The cross is the ultimate tree of life. The tree of life that we heard about in the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis, the tree of life that is in Revelation, is ultimately bridged by the tree of the cross. The cross touches earth, but extends to heaven. And it is only through our passing over the cross, our being incorporated into its wood, so to speak, allowing ourselves to be drenched in the blood of Christ, that we pass over from death to life, that we die, that we might bear spiritual fruit. Let us not be afraid, therefore, of suffering in our lives. Let us not be afraid of contradiction 
for the sake of the gospel. Let us not be afraid to take up our cross and follow after Christ. For then we will find true life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.